truth, perspective, and growth. This is the Michael Carroll Discipleship Podcast. So the question comes, this is but for a moment. And yes, there's no words that I can give you. And yes, I understand your suffering. And yes, I understand your pain. And yes, I understand what you're going through. There's nothing I can say or do to overcome it. But I know this, that God is present. Like he was with Job. He's with you and I. Well, I am so excited. I know I've said this every episode, but I really am excited about this episode because it's a dear friend of mine. Uh, he's an amazing leader, amazing person, loves God, loves people, loves the word. Uh, Pastor Ben Gomez, I'm going to call you Ben for the episode because you're my friend, but man, how are you doing today, bro? I'm doing great, man. I'm so excited. Honored uh, to be with you on this episode and just uh, get to talk to my good friend. Man, Man. I'm, just, I'm ready. I'm ready too, bro. It's it's uh, This has been like one of those long expected ones for me because I know that you have just so much gold in you. I wish I had a recorder every time I talk to you, to be honest with you, because I feel like content just happens. And so... I'm hoping that this is just another one of the conversations that we often have, and that's about Jesus and the Bible, but ultimately the church. What is God speaking to the church right now? Uh, A little bit about what I know about you is uh, you're an amazing professor working on your doctorate right now. You're at Southeastern University, co-campus pastor, uh, building and pouring into young leaders. Let's talk a little bit about that. What's going on in your life right now? Uh, right now in my life, the semester is coming to an end. So I, I believe as a professor, I'm excited about that. Um, saddened. Uh, there's been some students that I've been walking with the last two, three years that are graduating um, that are part of kind of like my initial four years. And so uh, it's bittersweet. Uh, we also have um, DSF. We are working on next semester already. And so some of the speaker lineups, some of the processes that we have in place for discipleship um, and for spiritual formation. So those are things that we're talking about. How do we navigate that? Uh, so there's some cool, exciting things, right? When you're a university that's close to 10,000 students across the country, um, you know, we have roughly about four on our campus. Uh, when you include graduates and you include some, uh, some of those who travel from the Tampa area, um, and so for us, it's, you know, how do we think about the cluster of students that we have at the Lakeland campus, but also how do we think about all the extension sites that we have and our students across the country? And so how do we help and empower them and help their spirituality? So those are some of the things I'm working on. Besides that, I'm entering my second year for my PhD. Mm. And so um, studying on decolonizing theology. Um, focusing on the areas of uh, break Christology that, and pneumatology. Break that down, man, because we have some people who don't know what you just said, bro. So what what does that mean, uh, decolonizing theology? Give, give us a, a, a real quick layman's term. What does that mean? Yeah, the layman's term is um, most of the times where people study theology, they're studying um, a lot of European um Western European mm, or North yeah. American theologians sure. who happen to be predominantly from a dominant culture. Yeah. And so what I'm looking at, um, some, some individuals like calling it post-colonial theology. And so I'm looking at hmm. um, theologians and people uh, who, who have voices in, um, in Christendom that are not from the dominant culture. Hmm. So basically Black, Latino, 
um, Asian, hmm. um, just non Eastern churches, Eastern yeah. European. That's so amazing. basically non um, you White know, people. I have to be careful because I don't <laughs> want to seem like I am uh, anti something, sure. but it's basically the traditional ones that people have uh, sought to seek and study. And so decolonizing is understanding and seeing that there's other voices that God is lifting and God is raising um, from across the globe. So I think how that's... do we bring those into the fold? Yeah, I think that's beautiful, man. Uh, you know, that is what happened on the outpouring of the spirit, you know, uh, languages and, and countries and nations from around the world um different languages were heard different cultures uh the reverse of babel right being brought back yeah. together under one person so i love it man that's that's amazing bro that sounds like it's going to be enriching it's fun it's funny too because i find myself even in my own studies uh you know and and i'm not and i am totally you know i love where i live and i support where i live and and i want to do my best to help better where I live. But a lot of people I, I study from, they tend to be from different areas of the world. And and I think a lot of that is just being willing to be stretched to think differently and see things differently and not be so stuck in a box, man. So I love that about I love that about you in general, but it looks like you're gonna have a really enriching uh education uh doing that, man. So praying for you, man. Yeah. Love that. Uh that sounds Thank like you. it's gonna be uh, quite a journey. So Yeah. Uh, I'm taking uh, my time. Yeah. So uh, a little bit about you. Uh, how did you get into ministry? How did you become passionate about reaching people? Um, let's see. I grew up in New York City. Uh, oh. I grew up in a Catholic household. Um, my grandmother, uh, Carmela, uh, was the matriarch. And uh, she was just a devout Catholic woman, right? We went to St. Jude's uh, on 204th Street in uh, Upper Manhattan, Uptown. And um you know, I remember every every night. You know, we're, pray, we're making them, we're doing them prayers, time for them prayers. Um, and so for me, I just had a zeal for God. But it wasn't until I was about uh, twelve years old when we moved from New York City to Massachusetts, where my mom gave her life to Christ in a Protestant, born again way um, at her church. And so when we moved, I just started attending the church that she gave her life to Christ and. Um, you know, it was just on a Sunday night. We had service at 6 p.m. because that's what holiness Pentecostal yeah. small churches do. And so, um, yeah, I gave my life to Christ. And ever since then, I just I always knew that I was called to ministry since I was 12 years old. Uh, but I loved basketball and I loved law. And mm. so all throughout middle school, high school, you know, I was playing basketball. Um, we had an opportunity to play Division Three in Boston. So that was pretty dope. And then I was a pre-law major and then eventually went to law school. So even though I was doing all that, I was a volunteer youth pastor at my, uh, my church. And so it was like law, basketball, and pastoring. I was 17 yeah. years old as a freshman in college at LaSalle University. Um, and I was still kind of like a volunteer youth pastor doing youth ministry with a bunch of middle school students mm. on a Friday night, along with my then girlfriend, who is now my wife. Come on um, now. 17 years. There We've we been go. dating for 22. Come on. Um, and so Jessica and I just, you know, we were just there. So I always knew that it was called a ministry. I actually have a funny story, if you don't mind me sharing. I remember when I was interviewing for my, my law school entrance exam and uh, meeting with the advisor. And so they were like, you know, are you sure law school is for you? It's kind of hard and difficult. And, you know, and Jessica, uh, my fiance at the time said, 
I don't know why he's applying. He's called a ministry. He's called a church. I don't know what he's doing. He should be going to seminary. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> the admissions counselor goes, are you sure you don't want to have a private conversation yeah, right. before <laughs> I give you my yes? Uh, but, you know, ended up going to law school. Uh, did seminary uh, many years later. Should have listened to your wife. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And every husband listening is saying amen. And yeah, everybody yeah. who's about to get married is saying amen. Yeah, well, God can even use your mistakes for your good. I'm sure you learned a lot at law school that, you, that you're yes. using right now, amen. Not to say <laughs> yes. that's a mistake, yes. I'm just playing. But uh, anyways, <laughs> so uh, let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. This is what we're all talking about anyways. Everyone, I, I pull on my phone. I got a million Instagram lives uh, across the world. Everyone's got a podcast now. Everyone's talking about this thing. It's the elephant in the room, and that's COVID-19 isolation, self-evaluating ministry, education, family, community, all of these things are being are on the table and being evaluated, which I personally think is a beautiful thing right now for us uh, in a lot of ways. But um, as you're processing this, and this is a little bit of kind of about the heart behind conversations is Ephesians 4, as we build each other up and all throughout scripture, God speaks to the uh, Israel as one person, as a body of people. And He's speaking to the church right now. We all know that, but uh, we all uh, are not hearing the total scope of what God is saying. And I, I and the heart is, let's set the table for a conversation to hear from leaders across the country who God is speaking to. And so uh, I want to hear a little bit from you today, uh, Ben, about what are some things that you've been processing during these moments of isolation? You've had a little bit of more free time. I know you're, it's busy life on campus and stuff, so you, you, life slowed down for you a little bit, right? And, and you have a little bit of extra time to kind of think and process. And so what are, what are some things that you've been processing uh, during these moments? Yeah, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, we have a sign in our lanai at our house. That's something that my wife and I have been, um, it's been a motto of our family for the last probably eight years. And it has been uh, more evident in the last 40 days. Hmm. And it's be present now, right? Be present now. In other words, wherever we're at, what we're trying to do is we're we're just trying to be present in this moment. And I think that before COVID-19, I think where we were was everybody was moving at such a rapid pace, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Technology we know is advancing every three months. Things are changing. Uh, I need the latest, the the greatest. Uh, I need to be lean and mean and fast. And and what happened was that we weren't interacting with one another in a purposeful, meaningful way. Mm. Um, If I would talk to you, it would be, hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Let me tell you what's going on in my life. Mm-hmm. There wasn't this slowing down and pausing. Um, obviously, one of the authors that we like, John Mark Homer, mm-hmm. um, in his book, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, yes, talks about yes. a, a conversation, John Oberg and, and Dallas Willard, which I love reading Dallas Willard. I use them in my classes. Yep. Um, right in the Heart is probably one of my key books that I read every year. Um, but we understand that, you know, Dallas's comments to John was, um, hurry is the greatest or the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Mm, right? so and he tells John, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And I think that what's happening for us is that because we're so caught up in moving and doing that COVID-19 has allowed us to take a step back mm-hmm. 
and not be the hamster in the wheel just turning and turning and turning and saying, okay, what's purposeful? What's meaning to me? How can I be present? And I think that what we're seeing from the church and the pastors across the nation is that people are being intentional and purposeful and present in the lives of their attendees, their church members, and the people in their community. That's so good. I want to zero in on what you said, the the comment, the ruthless elimination of hurry. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the context of that conversation was John Orberg was actually at a, a mega church and he was uh, teaching in and had ministries that many of us younger pastors, we aspire to get to. We aspire to be at the level that he was at right now. And he was at the level where many of us want to be at and he was breaking down. And he couldn't handle his uh, load and he wasn't feeling uh, the fulfillment uh, of ministry and presence of God that he was talking about preaching about. So in that conversation, uh, the advice he got from his mentor, Dallas Willard, who, by the way, is one of my heroes as well. Love him. I'll throw out some links for his books in this episode. But Dallas tells John, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. Whatever that looks like. I'm not telling you to quit the job. I'm not telling you to stop this. I'm not telling you to do anything. You figure that out on your own. But here's what I am telling you to do. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. And I think that's a challenge to all of us right now. And I'm not telling you to leave your church. I'm not telling you to stop doing what you're doing in ministry. I'm not telling you to do anything. But I think if we take that practical tip to ruthlessly eliminate the hurry in our life, well, what does that look like for you? Let the spirit lead you on that one. But is that is that a little bit kind of a of what you're getting at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that um, again, it's easy for us to look at our lives pre-COVID and say, "Man, if you look at it, uh, if I ask you describe your life, people would say I would wake up, go to work, work out, go home, eat, go to sleep. Wake up, go to work, you know, work out, go to sleep. Wake up, go to work." And so it's now with this slowing down and this pausing and, and being intentional, what does our days look like? It looks different. It's, man, I spoke to, I spoke to five students. I counseled and met with, you know, three young marriages. Um, you know, okay, what today looks like, I'm doing a podcast, uh, um, writing a three-page blog. Right, our lives look differently because now people are being actually intentional of growing themselves, but also being present in the lives of others that otherwise they wouldn't. Right, when you have in a place right now, I mean, I don't want to give stats, but when there's so many people unemployed because of the shutdown of different industries, yeah, um, it leaves people number one to be anxious, right, at home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It puts people in a different um, state of mind because they're not used to the constant hurry, 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 go, 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 go. Now they're slowing. And it's like, oh man, I haven't been around these people, my family, college students moving back home yeah. when they're used to not being home except for the summer. Now it puts this unease. And so um, how are we, the people in the church and the people of God, helping those? And so one of the biggest things, um, can I call you Mike? Everybody yeah. wants to be like Mike. Please. One of the biggest things, Michael, that people um, think about in these days is, is how do I help you, right? I think that's where we are at the church. Um, at the ch- church right now, I think that what we're looking at and what we're trying to say is how do I empower you? How do I have our 
community members be active, right? We're, we're moving from a model of consumeristic model of, you know, I'm just gonna go watch, see, do, hear, and then try. Now we're at a place in the last 35, 45 days where you're providing us with the content, right? We're becoming competent on our own or within yeah. our community of our house. Yeah. And now that I'm showing myself competent, I'm going to start publishing that yeah. and sharing that information. Yeah. So now the mouthpiece and now the proclaimers of the gospel Come on. are now homes Let's throughout go. the country Let's and go. not just one location brick and mortar. I'm not yeah. saying that's wrong or that's right. right. All I'm saying is that there's these house fires Yes. That are coming about. Yes. Um, where, you know, there was one meme where it was a picture of, uh, you know, Satan. And it says, well, I closed it down for Easter. I closed down your churches. And there's like a picture of Jesus like, no, you just started a church in every home. Yeah, um, and so, so pastors are putting that around this week. That's so funny. But the reality is, I think that we're seeing the church, the church and come alive once again. Mm. Um, in the fact that every believer feels a responsibility and the weight of how can I be present here and now with mm -hmm. people in my community. Mm -hmm. And I think it's beautiful. I mean, that's really how the gospel has always gone forth out and persecution has always pushed. And I'm not saying we're being persecuted right now, but suffering in, in circumstances and being pressed has always been great ground for the gospel. Matter of fact, when they, when they pushed the early Christians out of Jerusalem, all that did was take the gospel message out into the world. And so, you know, these are things that are repeats in Christian history. This isn't something new. Christians have always found hope and life in the gospel and carried that message with them wherever they went, including persecution, which has always been fruitful for us. And that, that's a whole another rabbit trail of theology that we can go down to. But I think that the main thing is what, what Ben is saying is um, God is using all of this to wake up and open up the eyes of, of the church in a lot of ways. And I want to, I want to make sure that, uh, what what people are hearing right now is life giving because it, it's easy to feel uh, like the church is being criticized right now, and it's easy to feel like oh you know God is just you know trying to show the American church how wrong they were and all this stuff. And you know uh, I want to be life giving when I say this right now. We're not criticizing the church. Our heart no. is to empower the church, meaning people within the church. I love our leadership in our in my church personally. I love the leadership of, of 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 pastors from across this country. Great people who love God. We're not criticizing anybody in in these conversations. God is speaking to all of us as a whole. And I think what what is happening right now is uh, people are afraid to um, either self evaluate or change some things because they feel like they're losing. And sometimes when you take things out of your life, in especially in a Western context, if we could be real, we're very consumer driven. So when we remove things from our life, like simplifying it, like slowing down, like taking tasks out of our schedule, we feel almost like someone is is stripping things from our lives and we're being taken from. But here's the deal. 
when you give space for God, you are opening up your life to experiencing joy, freedom, and abundance like you've never experienced it before. But if you want to load it down with all of the things that you can choose and all of the things that you can find in, in all of the different places that you have to find them, what you're going to do is fill your life with things that will not make you happy. They will not bring peace. They will not bring fruit to your life. And you are blocking out space for God to fill in your life. So this isn't a critique of what we've been doing wrong. This is a call to the church to open up our life for God again, to experience his presence and his spirit, the way that we're praying for, the way that we're singing about, the way that we are teaching our people about. Let's experience him again. Let's come back to the Father. That's not a critique. That's a call. That's a charge. That's an invitation to experience the spirit of God. So I just want to make sure that this conversation is heard from that lens, that it's life-giving. Uh, I have seen a lot of people kind of be critical about the church, and I know Pastor Ben's heart, I know, and I know he loves the church. So on that on that note, I know that you have a lot, but I'm going to kind of give us a few. There's people listening to this show right now who they, 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 they're digging what you're saying right now, but they're like, okay, well, how? How do I do this? What are some uh, suggestions that you would give to somebody who may be listening right now who wants a better spiritual life, who wants to draw closer to God? What would you say to someone like that who may not have a whole lot of experience? Um, There's so much content uh, being delivered uh, right now, which is amazing. Innovation right now in the church is through the roof. Um, And I think that what we're seeing from pastors from across the country, right, is them moving people from being viewers to being engagers. And so one way to do it is look at what your local church is doing. What's the content being delivered and how can you appropriate yourself with what's going on in your local community? I think it's vital for us to be in community. Right. And so where do you live in Tampa, Lakeland? L.A., Chicago, New York, Louisiana, Indiana, St. Louis, um, right, in between, Montana, uh, wherever you're listening from, what is your local church doing? What is your pastor um, sharing with in your community, and how can you take a hold of what's going on? Um, And I think that there's a lot of things on YouTube and other, you know, uh, ministries that are nationally known that are putting forth the content. Uh, I would say this. I would say number one is just – Nothing I'm giving you is radical, is yeah, state-of-the-art, is innovative. It's typical. just going back to the principles and the basics. Yeah, exactly. Is, man, just reading the word. Yeah. Uh, right now, we're challenging our students at Southeastern uh, for the last 30 days, uh, really the last you know 16 days, because it's yeah. the month of April, of reading a psalm and a proverb every day. I saw that. I love it. Reading a psalm and a proverb every day and highlighting a few things in that Psalm and that proverb, Mm. right? To just take a look at what God is saying Mm. to you, uh, to your family, uh, for your life in this season. And Mm. so what does that look like um, for us? Today, I was reading Psalm 33. And some of the things that I saw and noticed for our community, for my family with Jessica and Olivia, it it starts off saying, sing for joy in the Lord, oh, you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with the harp of 10 strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is upright. And all his work is done in faithfulness. And for us, it's easy in this season for us, practically, 
right? As you're asking me that question, I want to answer your question, Michael. Um, what do I do? I, I know I'm confined to my house. I know I can't go out anywhere. I can't eat in my favorite restaurants, although I can pick up the food, which is great. Uh, thank you for the restaurant business that are still able to um, provide us with some type of entertainment. And so what does that mean? That means that it's easy for me to be downcasted, be frustrated, um, be depressed and with anxiety and fear of what's going on. But instead, as the psalmist reminds us, man, sing for joy. Hmm. How do I find joy and peace and tranquility in this season? Hmm. It's by being present with God. Hmm. It's by reading his word. It's by taking time and moments to pray. When frustration is coming upon my life, when uh, disagreement about what shows Olivia and I, who's my 12-year-old, is going to be about to be a 13-year-old, when there's some disagreements about what shows we're watching, it's taking a pause and being like, okay, you know, let's watch your show, and then we can watch my show, right? It's finding that common ground. Yeah. Um, it's, it's no different than what Paul's writing to the Church of Philippi yeah. in chapter 2, right, of Philippians, when he's talking about being one minded, being, having the mind of Christ. What he's telling the first century church is, hey, read the scriptures, right? Read the word, read the Torah, gather together, talk it out. And I think that practically, what does that look like? Whether you're at home and there's some frustration or whether you're at home and you're like, how do I increase and build my spirituality is read the word that we've been given. Let it speak to us. Gather those around you who are reading the word. And how are you talking it through that together then in our conversation, we'll have the mind of Christ and we'll come to an agreement. We'll come to a place where we're nurturing each other, uplifting each other, being in unity, being in wholeness. So good. And so for me, I find myself in this moment um, advising students and myself that I'm going to grab onto the word of God. I'm going to grab on to his truth and his promises. Um, because it's the only thing that's going to sustain me in this season and in this moment. Yeah. And so for you, what does that look like? A Psalm and a proverb, maybe. Sure. Um, I'm not saying go deep and read revelation, you know, yeah. uh, but <laughs> it could be the gospels, uh, the gospel of Luke, yeah. uh, gospel according to Mark. Uh, but I think those are some practical things that we can do. Uh, and I know the U version app downloaded. If you don't have it already, yeah. download the U version app. Um, you know, maybe your church has an app that you can download also mm-hmm. that provides you with some content. Um, but we're not missing any content right now, Michael. I think it's just us yeah. being intentional yeah, and actually just engaging the scriptures. Yeah, and I would agree too. I think there's definitely content out. And I mean, before even COVID-19, there's been, I mean, we are the most Christian uh, literature stocked country in the world. You know, I mean, there's not a shortage of books or things that can help you to grow. Um, and I would, to, to echo Ben's thought, um, start, Psalms are a beautiful place to start with prayer. Find a peaceful Psalm, uh, Google peaceful Psalms. If you need to find some ones that are life giving, um, before you get into the more of the history of Israel and all that stuff, find some peaceful Psalms, locate your heart wherever you're at and release any anxiety and worries. And wherever you're at in that moment, Just know that God is with you, and in that moment, open your heart, receive his love, and he will flood it with his love, with his grace, with his power, with his presence. If you've never prayed before, start for five to ten minutes. Don't try to be three to four hours on your knees, whatever. 
five, try five, 10 minutes, build from there, build your life around God, start from somewhere and build from there. And, and you'll see that your life will begin to transform. Um, good stuff, man. Good, good, good stuff on the disciplines. What is, can I, can I just add something there too? Yeah. Uh, that you just said the five to 10 minutes, understand this. God is love. And for any of us who have been in love, who have walked a journey um, with somebody we love, we know it takes time. It wasn't like we met day one and we're like, girl, I love you. Oh my God, you're the greatest thing in my life. <laughs> well, somebody, I'm gonna marry yeah, you. I've seen right? Jessica, would, if I would've said that the first day, Jessica would've been like, uh, pause, uh, you're weird, yeah. I'm out. Right. It, it, it's a journey, right? And, yeah. and it's a slow process. That's good. You know, I just want to encourage you if you're just starting out now, if you're listening to us and you're like, well, I don't know where to start. I don't, you know, just like Michael said, five, 10 minutes. It's a long process. It's slow. And, you know, love has its own speed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Love is not like the world we live in. We got to be fast and we got to get it done. No, no, no. Love has its own speed. It's different from technology. It's different than we ever had. It is slow. It is present. It is careful. And so wherever you're at, just start today. Today's a great day for you to start. So I just want to encourage you um, that you're not going to get where you want to get to today or tomorrow. It's going to take a while. But listen, I know a God that's present in the time of need, in the time of trouble. And I'm excited for your journey ahead because I promise you this, that a year from now, you will have to reintroduce yourself to yourself because you'll be a different person. Let's go. Come on. When you build yourself around Jesus and he becomes the center of your life, uh, everything changes for the good, for the better. And so that's good. That's good, man. So I want to talk a little bit about this. I'm going to throw this. I did not give you this one beforehand, but I trust you. There's a little bit of um, talk about kind of people who don't know God or are just starting to kind of understand, you know, how he works and stuff like that, maybe have never experienced a global pandemic before, and they're trying to figure out, okay, what does Christianity look like this? You know, God is our rescuer, you know, Psalm 91, why is he not protecting us? Good people are unfortunately suffering and catching the virus and all of these things, and and people have been left to to answer, and I'm going to tackle the real question right now. Why isn't God protecting us right now? And and, and in this time, there's I know there's people who, who are probably you know, wrestling with that question too. I think this is a good time to talk about what we just celebrated at Easter and what that means towards our full hope of what we're looking towards too. And I have a quote here that um, uh, I just kind of read from an amazing book I was reading. It says, uh, uh, just like God's life-giving spirit gives vital life to the human body, so does heaven give life to this planet. And the hope that we're looking towards is the fullness of a new heavens and new earth. But we're living in an age that is passing away. So for somebody who is experiencing suffering in this world right now, I want to challenge you to not just look blindly up to the uh, to a place far, far away that you think you just have to escape this world, that God is using you right now in your moment, regardless of where you're at, and you are a part of the redemption of this world. So, uh, Pastor Ben, 
how would you encourage people to not only focus on okay their own spiritual journey, but how do they, how do we become mission focused in these moments? How do we continue to uh, look forward to the future and bringing hope into the world even during a global pandemic like this? What would you say to that question? Um, that's a great question, um, and I would uh, say this um, as I've said it to students this week who have lost loved ones. Um, friends and family members who have lost loved ones is that God is present. Mm. He is present in those moments. Yeah. Um, the moments of grief, the moments of loss, the moments of lament. Mm. Um, God is present with us. Um, he suffered on our behalf. Yeah. Right. And so when you think about the Easter, the good Friday, um, the trials and the beatings and the suffering uh, that he endured. All right, Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ is a very gory film. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you see that, and you see the silence of Saturday, right? Uh, um, I was reminded this weekend of what it would, must have been like to be a disciple or somebody who walked with Jesus. Um, maybe there was a disciple that uh, were there with them those last 16 hours that still maybe had his smell. Can you imagine being a disciple, being Peter, deny him, but you know, you have it, like you smell your robe and you smell the Messiah yeah. and you're just like, oh my gosh. And think about, think about the fear in that yeah. first Easter. Think about the anxiety, like they killed our Messiah. Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. And that silence of not knowing, not knowing anything. Hmm. And then Sunday happens in his resurrection and then he appears to you and you're like, oh and so, uh, you know, I'm just reminded of the hope that we have. Yeah. And um, it's us, again, I'm sorry that I'm saying the same thing over again, but it's us being present, Michael. Yeah. Right? It's God being present. How do I know that I can overcome this COVID? How do I know that I can overcome this, this anxiety and this torment and this torrent of grief and the protests? And why isn't God here? Why isn't God saving me and God being for me? Why is he allowing these things? Number one, we live in a fallen world. Yeah, that's right. We live in a fallen world. Yeah. But the reality is that regardless of what's going on, how are you and I as Christians living out yeah. the faithful walk of right. being a Christian? How are you and I demonstrating and showing That's right. the love of God, the peace mm -hmm. of God, mm -hmm. the understanding of God, yeah. uh, the joy amidst this? And can I add something? This COVID nineteen. I want to add something to what you just said, and then I'll I'll pass it back to you because in, in, yeah. in the in the thing of us living out our our call as being mission focused to uh, the world with the gospel, we have to understand that as there's an element of being priests in this world that we are mediators of the of the presence of God to this world, and we're also mediators of the uh, of the worship and adoration of this world to God. So we stand at this intersection in a broken world, and we embrace the fallen nature and, and system and suffering of this world. And that's what Jesus did at the cross. He, he was at the cross 
while standing in the intersection in the world that he created, experiencing the fullness of sin and suffering upon his body. And at the cross, he he reflected God's love back out into the world. And that's how evil was overcome. And so do we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, stand in this place. And we experience suffering and we experience death and we experience all that this world is throwing upon us, but our response is not complaining. Our response is not doubt. We step into this world with the hope of the gospel and we reflect love and grace and hope and mercy and the healing power of God flows through our suffering and through our lament and through our worship, regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in life. So I love, uh, Ben, I love what you said. It's, it's take our eyes off of us and realize that part of our mission of carrying the gospel to the world has always involved an element of suffering. And, and it's not that God is trying to uh, show us how much, how bad we are and make us suffer. It's our role as as mediators in this world, as stewards of this world to embrace it because God is renewing the world. And there will be one day where there's no more pain, there's no more sorrow. He'll wipe away every tear. And we look forward to that day. But in this present time, we are in the place. We are the mediators. We are followers of Christ modeling our lives after him. And I just wanted to add and interject that and uh, pass it off to you. No, yeah. I mean, uh, the the great theologian Jurgen Moltmann um, says, totally without hope, one cannot live. Mm. To live without hope is to cease to live. Hell is hopelessness. It is no accident that above the entrance to Dante's hell is the inscription, leave behind all hope, you who enter here. Wow. Right? And so for us, that's the hope, the not yet, but soon to be, mm. right? It's the, it's, the, it's the thing that we're looking forward to uh, what we look at in theology, we call the eschaton, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's Christ returning and us going towards Christ. And so for us, the hope is, and I don't want, you know, listeners, hear me, hear me from the bottom of my heart. Um, the hope is that we will be with Christ once again. The hope mm-hmm. is that he's coming to save and restore and renew everything that was lost and so for me, there's a scripture, Romans 8, 28, that says, all things work for the good of those who fear and love the Lord and are called to his purposes. And I know sometimes we use that to say that in difficult times and in trying times and in moments of loss and lament, that it's all good. For me, I take that verse to say, at this moment, it's not good. At this moment, it is tough and it's hard and it's difficult. And I hate it and I don't want this moment. I take that verse to say that at the end, at the end, when we're standing before the throne of grace, mm. at the end, when we're with Christ, mm. at the end, when he has won the total victory, at the end, when we're with him once again, when the dead will be raised up again. For me, that's the point where it was worth it, where it's all good, where we're in eternity. And so the hope is not here. And listen to me. And I want to say this. Two and a half years ago, I lost my youngest brother in an automobile accident. Um, My wife and I have lost four babies. Um, So I'm talking as a person that's felt pain as a parent. I'm talking as somebody who's felt pain as a brother. Hmm. Uh, My brother fought for his life for 13 days. It was Mother's Day. 13 days um, he fought for his life. 
we were in this ICU, ICU unit. Um, we were praying for other people who were in comas. We saw two, three people come to life as we were praying for them and wow. praying for their families. Wow. Um, but my brother didn't raise. My brother didn't get up. He succumbed to his injuries. And for me, people say, how can you love God? How can you trust God? And how can you? Hmm. Easy. He was present there with me. Wow. He was there with me. My hope is that even though and although my brother could have gotten up, there's a some point where my brother would have passed away again, right? Um, as I get older, I know that my time on this earth is fleeting. I will not live forever. Yeah. But I do know that when I stand before my Savior, when I stand before God, That's so good. and that that final victory is won, mm. that I will stand forever. And so the question comes, this is but for a moment. And yes, there's no words that I can give you. And yes, I understand your suffering. And yes, I understand your pain. And yes, I understand what you're going through. There's nothing I can say or do to overcome it. But I know this, that God is present. Like he was with Job, he's with you and I. And so if you are going through a season of, of pain and of loss, number one, I want to say it's okay. Yeah. Number two, I want to say it's okay to grieve and it's okay yeah, it's to yell and it's okay to, to admit and recognize your feelings. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to say that God is there and that there's people in our Christian community, in your community, who care for you, who are there for you, who want to reach out. Yeah. But I want to say this, do not, uh, and if you're somebody that's trying to help somebody go through a loss or do not try to fix them or help them right away. Love has a speed mm -hmm. and it's a slow speed and it's okay. Um, and you know, we gotta let people grieve, but understand that there is still hope. The Messiah is alive, Jesus as well, and he's coming back soon. And so Michael, th th those are things that are real that I think that in this moment, we must recognize the pain and the anguish. People have lost their jobs. Yes. Right? People yeah. have lost a way to provide for their family financially. Yeah. This is difficult. Yes. And it's not easy for people. Yes. And so what we can't do is just be uh, people that say, it's going to be okay. God's in control. When yeah. people are suffering and people That's are right. lamenting and people are in despair. Yeah. The question is, we as the church in the body of Christ, what can we do and what are we doing? And so I love that some of my friends from across the country and some of your friends, our mutual friends, are having these, um, you know, these groceries uh, lines, that they're providing groceries for people in their community, that they are purchasing yeah. and, and working with Convoy of Hope to provide meals and provide masks and gloves and, yeah. you know, things to medical professionals and so what can we do? That's our response. Our response is I can't fix what you're going through, but I can help you overcome and I can help um, provide resources for you. And I can provide a shoulder for you to cry on and a hand for you to grab, whether it's virtually or um, with gloves and a mask. Um, if you're face-to-face, -face, we have to be yeah. uh, mindful of that. Um, and so for us, that's the hope. The hope is that once again, we will be with Christ and that once again, um, all things at the end work for the good. All things at the end. That's so good. Um, it might be, we might be losing two to one right now, but we won't lose in the end. 
I read the book. We win. We win. So, um, and that's so that's, good. The, that's the hope. That's good, Ben. Thank you for sharing that testimony too. That was that's beautiful, man. What a beautiful description of what it means to uh, endure real pain that you did, and God revealing himself through it and there's something beautiful about coming out on the other end of that that i know was life-giving and of course we have the hope of where your brother's at and all of that and you know it's 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 because of that we're able to stand the way we are because of life because of what uh pastor ben was saying the hope of easter but wow that really moved me man thank you for sharing that with me and i want to just touch on the community aspect of it uh if you are experiencing some of these things that ben's talking about right now um don't be afraid to connect with your community community is important right now Um, community has always been how the body grows together you need community to hear from god although you can't hear from god on your own but you to fully grow you have to be in community with christ you have to be in community with his body so Make sure that you are doing what you can to be plugged in, even in these moments. And that being said, Ben, I know you have a lot to say. You've already said a lot. Leave us with the thing that you feel is the most important thing the church needs to hear right now. What is it? The most important thing I've been waiting since we started, because there was moments I wanted to share this and say, ah. <laughs> the most important thing um, that I can tell our listeners today is this. Make room at the table. Make room at the table. Make room at the table for people who are different than you, for people who believe differently than you, um, for people whose life is growing up was different than yours. Make room at the table for them to experience the love, the hope, the joy of Jesus Christ. Um, Just make room at the table. Always allow people to bring up a chair and sit at your table so you can share with them what God has done in your life. I promise you the best days are ahead for you and I. I promise you that God is victorious. He has never lost a battle. He's victorious. And so let me let you know right now that in the midst of what we're going through, in the midst of what we're fearing, it's not over. It's just the beginning. There's more for you to do. There's a plan. There's a purpose that God has for you. I promise you that there's no one on the face of the earth before you or after you that can do what God has purposed you to do. You are unique. You are his masterpiece. And I'm excited for you to make room at the table. And I'm going to leave it right there. Wow. Ben, thank you so much for joining us, man. Love you. Love your family. Praying for you. Praying for Southeastern University. Uh, you guys are doing a great job working through this, man. But Ben, I just thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you for being a part of the show. No problem, Michael. Thank you. And I look forward to you to continue to teach with me at Southeastern. Absolutely. Always my honor. Thank you for tuning in to the Michael Carroll Discipleship Podcast. Make sure to share this episode with your friends and also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at mcarrollnow. Have a great day. Until next time.